0: Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever, whenever you may be listening. Welcome into another episode of The Sick Podcast with Jeff Vogel. I'm John Vogel, your host. Uh, Justin, not here today. Had some other obligations he had to attend to, but we got a special guest locked in anyways because you don't want to listen to me ramble by myself. That's not fun. So uh, we're going to be talking a lot about the All-Star Games this this week. A lot of All-Star Game invites starting to come out. I think it would be really good, beneficial to go ahead and list out basically what the all-star circuit looks like, uh, the bowl games that you need to know about, probably a couple that you need to know about that you don't go to and continue on with, uh, Mr. Mark Jarvis. So Shane back in the studio, as always, let's hit it.
1: Turn up your volume.
0: Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. Podcast. With Draft Vogel. With the first pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. The first pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. With the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. The sickest NFL Draft show. It's going to be sick. Sick. And the Sick Podcast, as always, tremendous platform. This week, a couple new shows on the hockey circuit. If you like hockey, go check those out. I mean, some huge, huge players on the hockey field uh, coming out here and joining the network, Um, former general manager-types hosting podcasts, like crazy stuff. Uh, Over here, also the Tampa Bay Podcast Killing just had their wide receivers coach on this week, so make sure that you check – all those out too let's welcome in Mr. Mark Jarvis second time appearance on the show first time replacing a co-host uh is a step in Mark how are we doing tonight man
1: i pretty good man I thought you're gonna say first time looking somewhat shaved
0: <laughs> well that too <laughs> no I think I think there was one time we did a podcast years ago where you were you had shaved very recently and I remember poking fun at you at that point, too, because, you know, we all got used to seeing the Mark Jarvis, you know, like the picture from like, what was it? A side shot that she had on yeah. your Twitter profile forever with a long beard, like Stonewall Jackson or whatever, uh, you know, but that being said, I'm sorry. I had to take that shot. Uh, yeah. With all things considered, I thought that this would be a really good show to have you on. And it's unfortunate Justin can't be here, but uh, you're a guy... We talked about your accolades the first time that you came on the show about a month ago. You know this up and down, backwards, forward. You've been doing it long enough. So we talk about oh, um, before I get into this, I have to have an ad read. I was about to forget DraftKings. The NFL season is going strong. I'm sorry, Mark. I'm I'm gonna hook bring this question back in. Uh, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week. To score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this November. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code SICKSPORTS. New customers can score $200 instantly. And the sweetener stuff that they're kind of doing is like bonus. It's like uh. 30% 30% profit increase type stuff. It's like, hey, you want to make a little bit more money on this bet that you got? Do it. Did you, you ever use the profit boosts?
1: Yeah, I. it depends on what's available. Um, I generally try to stick with stuff that I know uh, as far as the sports. So like UFC, I do a lot of, and then oh, I yeah. doing some prop betting. Uh, the prop betting in particular, there's some great ones that you'll see like plus 500. They drop it down to uh, plus or yeah.
0: Plus one yeah.
1: type of thing. So, like you you'll see opportunities come up like that where it's like it's not free money, but you go from a 60% chance to hit to you know a
0: 90% chance or something. There you go. Yeah, see. So um under the all-star circuit is starting. We got a lot of game invites going out, a lot of good stuff. Uh they're rolling in now. They're really starting to roll. We had on the day of recording, this is Wednesday the 15th, we've probably had 10 guys between the shrine bowl and Senior Bowl and the HBC Legacy Bowl uh, with official invites accepted and at least posted about. So the first thing that I want to get into is something I want I should have gotten into last week, and I totally forgot about it uh, as we were recording with Justin, but it's the underclassman rule. There's a new rule with All-Star Games. It used to be if you were a junior, three years removed from college, and you were declaring for the draft, you could not participate in All-Star Games. So Shane, if you can go ahead and bring that up for us that graphic that we had ready for it um mark what kind of an impact are you expecting from the new underclassmen rule in all-star games
1: you know I, I, it's it's tricky because you have the aspect of most of these guys who are juniors that are declaring that are top 20 guys aren't going to be participating at these all-star games anyways so mm-hmm. they're kind of out of the mix but as far as the how many guys did we have declared last year 70 80 something around 69
0: that? yeah 69. And so you're looking
1: at maybe 50 guys, maybe five to 10 of them are not going to be worth actually like even having those games. They're kind of PFA type guys who are just declaring just to get to the league, but they don't really have a true shot. They're getting bad advice from agents, that sort of stuff. So there's probably about 40 to 45 guys that are going to be in that mix between, hey, he's a late first rounder all the way through. He's in the middle rounds, even late rounds where uh, the impact of being able to go to the Shrine or Senior Bowls. Uh, going to end up pushing some of these guys that are typical seniors that are going to these games even further down to where maybe they're going to the hula maybe they're going to cgs but there's so much stuff going on overall with the all-star games it's it's tough to know uh, exactly where the the chips are going to fall and i know that's something we're probably going to talk about here soon
0: yeah no and so it's also important to know with this rule and that's why i wanted the graphic because i wanted to have all this stuff in front of me the there are only three games that the NFL is permitting underclassmen to attend. That's the Shrine Bowl in, in uh, Frisco, Texas, the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, and the HBCU Legacy Bowl, which is an HBCU-exclusive event, a uh, historically black college and universities. Um, per the NFL, these bowls were included because they have working relationships with the NFL. Now, because we also have these other all-star games like the Hula Bowl, the Tropical Bowl, the College Gridiron Showcase, as you referenced, the CGS. Is there... NFLPA is no longer here. That shut down this year. Um, with this type of situation, and I think at this point it's it's important to also note all this is speculation. We don't know what the fuck this rule is going to do in, in the long screen scheme of, of things. But is this something that's going to potentially help these other bowls, like the Hula Bowl, the Tropical, the CGS, or is this something that maybe hurts them to an ex- a certain extent because of the exclusion from this rule?
1: Well, I would say as far as fairness goes, I think it's certainly unfair. Yeah. Were these guys going to go down to the Hula anyways? Like, I would say Hula's replaced the NFLPA this year as the number three. It would go senior one, shrine two, and then NFLPA was three. Now Hula's going to be number three and so you look at who NFLPA had last year a lot of draft picks a lot of draft picks talking about 12 15 guys i think somewhere in that ballpark and then you're talking the entire rest of the roster for the most part was pfa types um and hula had a good mix of pfa types and a couple drafted guys last year but they're going to be really eating up that market and to snub them and uh not allow them to get these guys let's say you're a junior and you declare when you shouldn't when you're told to go back and you don't get a senior or shrine opportunity let's say you're maybe seventh round through you know high-end pfa Mm -hmm. well you go to the the hula for instance are you gonna maybe get a late call up or something like or you you can't go to the hula but you if you hadn't been able to then you could maybe get a late call up now you don't even get to go to that you see what i'm saying
0: yes yeah Yeah. yeah, and and that yeah yeah continue sorry
1: i was just gonna say as far as fairness goes i think that's one of the things that hurts and then also, the aspect of you're allowing these guys to be eligible for the HBCU Legacy Bowl, a game that last year featured mostly rejects. And that's not to knock the game, but there were a lot of guys there that were corners running 4'7", defensive tackles that were 5'10", 270 pounds. And it was just overall a game that I don't think should have been open to that type of opportunity. If a guy is going to the HBCU Legacy Bowl as a junior, he probably should have just gone back to school at that point, you know?
0: Yeah, and we very rarely ever see HBCU players come out as juniors, statistically. Yeah. Um, now, there's two things that I think that this, why they included this bowl game with the rule is, number one, the amount of resources, the amount of money, the amount of time and energy that's being put into the HBCU market here in the last three to five years, really the last three in, in particular. You know, because we the HBCU Legacy Bowl, this is going to be the fourth year that they're running, I think, or third. So they're still relatively new on, you know, this aspect. And there's another one too. And they're in. They uh, they play in December. They'll be playing in Mobile. It's the HBCU Pigskin Showdown. And so they'll pick up even more reject type players and stuff. And a lot of the guys that go to the HBC Legacy Bowl are also performing at the Pigskin Showdown. So to me, I think that they included this because. It's part of this continuous push to try to encourage players and athletes to attend HBCUs uh, that we've seen over the last three years with the amount of resources, with the amount of time, with the coaches that are coming in, with the high-profile recruits that they're also bringing in, uh, along with these coaches. Obviously, Dion Sanders had that really good run at Jackson State, but they pulled NFL coaches like Hugh Jackson, former NFL players. Like Eddie George, you know, they're really trying to pump a lot into HBCUs and make them a legitimate NFL player pool, and so I think that's why they included that because they're hoping that it's these types of, you know, inclusions is going to help build that market. And overall, I'm all for that. That helps us with the sport of football in general. Uh, If we could make HBCUs more of a a higher end D1 like an FBS level, that just helps football in general. Now, the other thing that I think is really interesting to point out is that the deadline issue with this rule. So players must submit their request to be eligible as underclassmen by Monday, January 15th, and all-star invites cannot be officially sent out to these players until Friday, January 19th. So you put that into perspective with... The Shrine Bowl, which will play February first, I think, and the Senior Bowl's playing February third. There's not a lot of leeway, not a lot of time there to in the in an official capacity invite a player to their a junior to their game.
1: I would ask, is that that you can't have them technically accept at that point, or because I asked that because I've seen the Shrine sending the invites like in the mail to guys that are juniors.
0: I think that they can send them the invites, but they can't. They're not supposed to formally. They do can't it. officially yeah.
1: recognize that they're part of their roster, right?
0: Point. Yeah, until the underclassmen list comes out. So, it's one of those iffy situations, probably. You know where there is going to be some clarification at the end of the year from the league office about when you can send invites out and all that stuff. But that's that's one of the things is you can't. In theory, I am sure that those conversations are being held had behind closed doors but you can't formally invite them until the 19th. So it also kind of makes me wonder when we get down to that week of, of January 15th, are we going to have some sort of an idea when we look at the rosters and say, okay, they're missing two quarterbacks and three wide receivers and so on and so forth. Maybe these are the juniors coming and we should probably have a pretty good idea of who that'll be on the roster. Right?
1: Yeah. And they'll probably at that point have publicly announced it too. I, I know I've seen like, I think Jawar Jordan, from Louisville, if I recall correctly, he is a junior. Um, and I've seen Byron Murphy from Texas as well posted his invite and seemed like he was going to be going to the Shrine too. So even if he's not officially on the roster, guys like well, that I will let you know, hey, I'm going to be at the game. That way, we kind of know by you know early January, hey, here's roughly who's going to be coming out. It'll help certainly with declarations for the underclassmen to track who's going
0: where. So Jordan is fourth year, junior. So technically, he's got that redshirt year um now with with other you know with uh I think what we're talking about when we say because that's the clarification the un, the list that comes out, the underclassmen list always includes the red shirt juniors that declared as well. but what we're talking about here with the 69, for example, because I think the underclassmen list is usually about 120 players deep. the 69 is true juniors third year juniors that came out. So they've always been able to invite the red shirt juniors whenever they want regardless of whether they've they've come in or not. Now we're talking about the third-year juniors. I think that's the clarification, and that's the difference in that, that particular instance. Um, we're talking about guys like, in theory, Caleb Williams, third-year yeah. junior. He could go to the Senior Bowl if he wanted. Willie Probably not. Probably not. No. <laughs> Drake May, that's another one that could go. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, players like that yeah. are, are, you know, the – this is their first year eligible for the draft. They can, they they've never been able to go, but now they can.
1: Yeah. And that leads into another topic that kind of plays into this. The, the complexity of how these, um, you know, like Hula and and down and tropical and CJS are going to form their roster is the aspect of the COVID year, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're looking at a guy like Jordan, who typically you would look at and say, okay, he's probably a senior by now, but because of the COVID eligibility, a lot of these guys that redshirted on paper in 2020, they kind of have that extra year and there's a backlog of guys. And so, you look at how stacked, if you were to take everyone that can potentially declare right now as, you know, a, a COVID senior, a regular senior, then the underclassmen, and you're getting, you know, a really, really deep group. And if you'll page is shut down, so you're looking at, you know, the top, let's say 200 guys at Shrine and, and senior. And beyond that, I mean, if you're including juniors in that, you've got draftable guys at the hula across the board. You know, it, it's a very, um, very overloaded type of class. And so I think that's part of what makes it interesting is how much more it's going to push these guys down towards Hula.
0: Yeah. So thank you, Shane, for bringing that up on the screen. Um The big the, – that's the big – I guess uh, the big thing to me is just I'm not expecting to see really more than 30 guys get pushed out that are normally at the senior or the Shrine Bowl. You know, Um when you look at the top 10 picks in last year's draft, I think every single one of them was a junior. Um those types of players are not coming out or they're not going, I mean, they're not going to one of these all-star games. They they're locked in. They know where they're going. Top 15, top 20. There's no point for them to go there unless they just want to have some fun, you know? Uh, But to me, it seems like for those 30, those 30, I guess in tops, 50 players could get pushed down. I don't think we'll see that, but let's say 30 players when if you can't get to those top two games, what are these all-star games going to do? Like the Hula, the Tropical, the CGS to pull the, that type of talent that they haven't usually had and further solidify themselves as the number three game.
1: Well, I've got a couple other things to add on to here. And you know, this as well as I do, and, and it's everyone kind of in draft media knows this as well, that the senior bowl and the Bowl are kind of in an arms war right now. Right. Yes. And they certainly are. I mean, since Galco has taken over the Shrine, he has been very, very competitive. Whatever else you want to say about him, he has been competitive. Mm-hmm. And so the question for that I would have is, is it potential for the Senior Bowl to start inviting more guys than usual? Usually they care about, what, 115, 120? Maybe yes. they go up to 130 or 140. Uh, and they invite these top juniors, so Caleb Williams, Drake May, they come down to the Senior Bowl. They don't participate in anything as far as on-field, but they do interviews. And they kind of start their process at the Senior Bowl rather than doing combine prep and that sort of thing. And it gives them a recruiting edge because they can say, hey, we had Caleb Williams down here. We had Drake May down here. It's not necessarily that they did anything, you know, but it's, it's something they can pull out with their recruiting guys for next year. And also as well. I know some people are going to be like, oh, the Senior Bowl, why why are you calling it that still after you're inviting Caleb Williams and so on and so forth? Well, if you're the Senior Bowl, you kind of have to because if you don't and the Shrine invites these guys, guess what? Now they have something they can pull out when they're recruiting guys. So I almost wonder if that's going to kind of push out these rosters where they're expanded and maybe 20 guys aren't even playing, but they're just there at the event. And then that leads to the question of the financials of it of like, you're making your money on the game. You're making your money on the sponsorships and who you're actually having on the field and that sort of stuff. Well, that's an, a lot of, it's a lot of money to bring another 20 guys there. That's why they only bring one 10, because there's a certain amount of time and money that takes to bring these guys in. Same thing with like going, bring guys to the combine, you know? Um, yeah. So I'm interested to see the competitive aspect, how they approach building out their rosters and, and how they invite juniors.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a really great point too, because you know, Hendon Hooker's an example of a guy last year that went down to the senior bowl, was rehabbing from an injury, didn't participate, but went through all the interviews. And I think throughout the process I had I it wasn't as public about it until closer to the draft, but I was I was I was criticizing Will Levis for not doing the same. You know, because well you could just as easily say, Yeah, I'm not gonna play on the field, but I'm down there getting the interviews in, starting to talk to people and You know, because you're the thing with the interview process at the senior bowl, you're not just interviewing a team or two here and there. You're interviewing all thirty-two teams. All thirty-two teams get an opportunity to sit down with every prospect. And that's one of the things that Jim really pushed last year as a recruiting tool. Hey, everybody's sitting down with everybody. There there's no they pick, they want they talk to who they want to. No, no, no. You got an allotted time. You're gonna you know when you're sitting down with the with each team. So, um, and I think that was a new rule. That was a new rule to the game as of last year. But um, where where does this fall with how many guys come in and not participate? There could be a lot. There could be a lot of guys that are you know like these. Caleb Williams is a guy that would hit really really well if he did that, because he has all the. Is he a good leader? Is he? you know, mature enough to do to be a quarterback, you come to the senior bowl and you interview, you don't do anything on the field, you just interview, you've got a really good chance to put that to rest right away, nip it in the bud in February and be done with it. You're good for the rest of the process because you're talking to everybody. So it does make you wonder if we'll see some of that, if the rosters will expand, quote unquote, to make for that, to allow for that to happen or not. That's a really good, that's a really good point. I like that, Mark. Yeah. And the aspect
1: of just getting exposures to scouts. I mean, if you're a scout and you're kind of unsure based on your visits to, let's say USC, what the word is on Caleb Williams, or if you went to Oklahoma and and talked about him there, which even then it's hard to do because right. Like there's this aspect of a lot of schools are really shaky about scouts asking about juniors. They don't want guys coming in asking questions or, you know, they don't want to potentially pull these juniors out of school when they could have them for another year. And so it's, it's, It's going to give them more opportunities to get comfortable with the player, especially a junior. So there's not some surprise late in the process where you're like, oh, I thought he was a different guy. And then it comes to light something that you you didn't want to find out, you know. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the aspect I think of in in the recruiting and also just the pure media coverage. When you've seen the senior bowl. They've really pushed into, hey, we're going to talk about players every Saturday, have the on-field videos. We're going to be covering these guys saying kind of what we're thinking on them. Um, and then the tribal as well. I mean, I know they've done a lot of work with Pro Football Network sharing Galco's process and what they go through in their invitations and their Monday morning quarterback type stuff. Like They both have a very, very large media presence. And so when you take that large media presence and then you say, OK, now you can bring in juniors. What's going to happen when you're talking about these juniors and that school wants to bring the guy back for another year? Are they going to get a bad attitude with you because you're posting about their junior they really like and say, oh, yeah, he's going to be a second-round pick or whatever if he comes out? You don't want to burn that bridge. So it's very um, shaky ground for these All-Star games to be working on, to be talking about these juniors and trying to bring them to the game without necessarily recruiting beyond their bounds.
0: Yeah, that's an, another good point. I hadn't even considered that one at this right now because you, you college football so competitive right now. And next year, it's going to be even more competitive because you're going to have the 12-team college football playoff format. So now we're talking about you know, national championship comp- competition expanding to 20 schools as opposed to a group of 10 at the beginning of the year that gets whittled down. So... You obviously don't want to lose your juniors, especially with the NIL money that's coming out. That's a whole other topic that that is really interesting to get into. Neil Stratton had a really good article about NIL and the impact that it's having on boosters and with the money that they're wanting to put up and all kinds of stuff like that. So there's a lot still going on with that at this point too. But um, it does make me wonder a little bit, Mark, that maybe like maybe this junior thing is we're we're overthinking it. And we're not really going to see any guys except for players like Keaton Mitchell from last year, a guy that just didn't have a lot of buzz go he would have benefited from an all-star game he's probably a you know a draft pick if he's at the senior of the shrine last year. Um, it does I just I wonder if maybe we're overthinking it a little bit you know maybe there's not going to be as much of an impact as we're expecting. Maybe all these guys declaring except for maybe 10- 15 of them are thinking that they're first round picks and they're not going to do anything so
1: yeah what well, would be interesting to that aspect of you have let's say i know the all or the, the number of guys that declared as underclassmen were really really down last year because of that aspect of nil money is you know coming around yeah. and transfer portal so easy to get around in that even if we only have let's say you know 70 80 guys that are declaring as true juniors you're still you know maybe only going to have like you said a, 30, 40, 50, maybe if you're really pushing it, that are going to be like, okay, yeah, I want to participate in this. And for that exact reason, like I know the senior bowl really wants to get Olu Fashan. And I hope they do, because it would be awesome to see him down a mobile. But whichever agent signs him is gonna be saying, dude, you're a top five pick. Do not go. You're you need to rest up, get ready for your combine, run a four-nine, go top five, locking in, you know, like there's a – and we've seen it too with pro day workouts, right? And even combine workouts. You see these guys who they kind of wanna you know, hit or miss. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna run today, but I I am not feeling too good for the vert. I'm gonna go and skip the vert. Well, why are you skipping the vert? You don't you don't want to show these scouts something, you can just say, ah, I'll pass, and then you go top five, top ten, anyways, you know. Um, so it's it's gonna be interesting to see kind of the I don't want to call it gamesmanship necessarily, but the choices that this pushes agents into as far as their risk tolerance with what they're willing to do with all-star games. You could look at last year with DeWan Jones, Dewan Jones went out there the first day in in super practices and tore it up and was looking like a, you know, a potential first round guy. And then he says, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm not feeling too good. I'm going to go and pull out from the rest of the game. And that ultimately
0: ends up concussion, (laughs) concussion.
1: But, but point being that you'll have these guys who had, who make decisions like that. And, you know, I understand why agents do it. They want to protect their guy and and they want to keep him in the best position possible. But uh, I think the back and forth between, the all-star games, both between themselves and between them and the agents, it's going to make some very, very tricky situations uh, with the inclusion of juniors.
0: Yeah, no, it will. But the Dewan Jones situation was funny because I was sitting in a bar, uh, Veet's. you know the place very well, I'm sure, sitting in Vietz late, uh, I think the night after he said, DeWan said he wasn't going to, he was opting out of the rest of practices. And I said, what? and I was sitting with a couple scouts and I said, they were saying that and I said, What did he say? He said, Concussion. They said, He's six eight. Where did he hit his head? Walking out of the door of the hotel? <laughs> you go back and you watch the tape and from the practice and you can't find one instance where you hit his head with something. Like, you know, it was kind of one of those, hmm, okay. And and they knocked him for it. But um because I think if he probably plays us if he goes through the week, he's probably a first round pick at right tackle. Yeah, there was some other stuff too with this
1: process, right? Like I mean he – he didn't fully participate at the Pro Day. I don't think he weighed in again, but I think the expectation was that if he weighed in again, he'd be heavier. You know, there was some other stuff throughout the process just in terms of his willingness to compete and his willingness to be involved in certain parts of the process. And, and when you skip those parts of the process, you'll have some scouts who don't care, right? Like if Olu Olufoshanu goes out there and says, I'm not going to the Senior Bowl, I'm not going to test, I'm just going to go through the process doing none of that, I'm. he'll probably still be a top 10 pick, right? Like he's still going to go yeah. early. But as you get further on down, if scouts see these kinds of warning signs, you'll have some scouts that are like, "Hey, I really don't feel comfortable with this guy skipping so much of the stuff that it makes my job easier at gathering info and trying to figure out who he is." And and that goes back to the exposures thing, right? If you give a guy who wouldn't otherwise have those exposures those opportunities for scouts to meet him, hey, let me get it, let me shake his hand, talk to him, kind of get a feel for him, you know, figure out who he is, how does he tick? They're going to feel a lot more comfortable later on in the process when they get down to okay. Do I want this guy in my locker room? Do I want this guy on my team? Am I willing yes. to put my butt on the line for the guy? You
0: know. Yeah, no, exactly. The next thing that we need to get into a little bit is I do this. I want to do this on the podcast so that I can refer people that I talk to to this. And that's why I wanted to go into the tiers of the All-Star Games, because I get a lot of questions every year from players, uh, especially when you start talking about on the lower end of stuff, some agents, sometimes new agents, saying, hey, what All-Star Game is good? Where do I want my client to go? This kind of stuff, and there's two there's two things that I want to hammer on before we get started. One, most of the All Star games are really good. They're really good for your client. They're really good for you to get out there as you as a player to showcase what you can do. You're going against a lot of guys that are pretty level on your at least on your plane uh, in terms of competition. They're closer to you. They're good. a lot of times for smaller school guys, better opportunity to show that hey. I played a D2, now I'm playing against guys who are in the FCS, FBS, and I'm playing up to that, and there's not a drop-off in the competition. That's all good stuff. But there are a couple that you probably want to avoid, and I, I'm bringing this up because I think that I have to, and I always say I say this every year, uh, at least over the last couple that I've been doing this and really been involved in All-Star games. You You want to avoid... Uh, the Cajun Bowl. And I don't know if you're familiar with that one there, Mark.
1: familiar with the Cajun
0: Bowl. You're probably familiar with it because of me, right?
1: <laughs> no, actually, it's funny. It's not through you, but I'm very familiar with the Cajun Bowl.
0: <laughs> so the C- if you get an invite from the Cajun Bowl, just dismiss it immediately. Your school is going to dismiss it. Um, so they're going to reach out to you directly, and they're going to try to get you in. Um, They've never played it. If they've when they started it, it was going to be in Shreveport, Louisiana, and I think it got moved to Houston without anybody talking about it. The guy said it was going to be on ESPN. ESPN confirmed with me that they never had conversations about having this game on, and then yeah, it was a whole mess. A whole back in two thousand and uh, twenty-one, I went and I did an article like an investigative article looking into all these claims that this game was making and trying and deciphering whether it was legitimate or not right and none of the claims that were made were backed up by anything except for maybe that the director worked in the cfl in a part-time capacity um outside of that that's one of the there's there's going to be certain games that pop up if you've never heard of it it probably doesn't exist and the occasion bowl is going to is it an example of that. You want to be careful not to get caught up into something like that. That's a waste of your time. It's a waste of your energy. Waste of your resources. Um, that being said, the, the tiers of game. Well, actually, actually, did you have something to add about the Cajun bowl, Mark? Because you're like you're very familiar with it.
1: Yeah, I, all I would add is that it, it's it's one of those things where these all star games, some of them that are these smaller ones that pop up, it takes a lot of money to run an all star game. It takes a lot of resources. And if you're not the type of person that has that type of capacity, it's very difficult to do. Whether you're trying your hardest or not, that's out of, you know, that's a completely different topic, but the Cajun bull, like you said, has not been played. It's been talked about as being played and then it's been canceled the last three years, right before they're supposed to play it. And uh, I I would just recommend to any agent and anyone in general that, you know, a player that receives an invite, so on and so forth, that it is not something you should be focusing on. Um, And then as we can talk about these tiers, I would say that any any All Star game or All Star event to include CJS, make sure CJS is included in this conversation. Um, it, if they're not on this list, they're probably not one that you should be uh, giving much weight to. There are a few that are really smaller ones that are uh, basically a pay to play, but you might be lucky to get some CFL scouts in there, some XFL scouts in there. You know, yeah. uh, if you're not getting invites to these for the most part, you're probably not going to be viewed as a uh, even PFA or trial level guy by most of these teams. And as a result, you should kind of consider, Hey, I'm probably going to be a reject. I probably should consider playing like in a very, very small league, like an indoor league, or I should probably consider going into the workforce as, as, as harsh as that sounds. but
0: No. So there's, I guess I'm going to start from the lower level. Cause we talked about the higher level a lot. Um, well, they the lowest one that I would say is okay. And you may differ. It's okay. Uh, is the FCS bowl. And the reason I'm bringing up the FCS Bowl is it is directly tied to the Tropical Bowl. Uh, it's the same group of people that run it. Uh, they have good friends within all the different leagues. So when you go to these events, there's typically several scouts there. There's going to be a few NFL scouts at the, C- at the uh, FCS Bowl, mostly CFL and XFL, USFL Spring League type. Uh, Arena football goes out there as well, which arena is coming back this year. Isn't that exciting, Mark? we got arena football coming back next year. Like, dang. (laughs) But, uh, you know, so it's going to be a lot of alt leagues. Now, if you play well enough through the FCS Bowl, you will get a call up to the Tropical Bowl. It's important to know there's two different events at the Tropical Bowl. There's the showcase. That's the first two days of the week, Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday through Saturday is the actual Tropical Bowl. So uh, if you're in the showcase, you're typically a smaller guy, smaller school guy. Um, Again, it's going to be about the same as going to the FCS Bowl in terms of scout participation and who's out there watching. Um, You're doing two days of padded practice. You do a scrimmage at the end of the second padded practice. It's a lot. The Tropical Bowl itself, a lot more teams come in. I was there last year. Uh, I'd say 20 I think I saw 28 NFL teams there last year so really well attended now these aren't general managers don't expect somebody like the big to come out there Um, they're going to be area scouts but they're going to be interviewing they're going to be talking to you doing a lot of looking at a lot of the top players that they're looking at They usually come in with 10 or 15 on the list that they want to talk to so that's a that's a good opportunity sometimes if they if there's a late roster fallout or something, somebody can't make it. If you're in the showcase, you'll get asked up. But a lot of times that doesn't happen. It's a very, very specific, very special uh, circumstance issue. After that, you got probably you probably got the CGS, right?
1: Yeah, around – I would say uh, at the bottom would be FCS. And that, like you said, it's kind of a – it's below tropical. It's something that where – if you're going there, you're probably going to be looking at all alternate leagues. And then tropical, a lot of those guys. It's going to be. I think I'd have to double check my numbers, but I think if I recall correctly, it was about, you know, a few UDFA's in there, a lot of tryout guys, and then a fair amount of rejects. And then CGS, you start to see a lot more UDFA's start to come into the mix, a lot more tryout types. So I would I would say CGS is slightly ahead of tropical, um, just going by the pure numbers. But I yeah, think-
0: and and the other uh, thing too is the CGS. Interest. Yeah, CGS brings in a lot more guys too. Yeah. So if we were looking at percentages, do you would you know which one was higher?
1: Um, well, it's tricky because CGS in the same way that Tropical kind of functions where the FCS is part of it, right? And they mm-hmm. that's correct me if I'm wrong, that's part of their funding, right? Is having the uh, FCS will attached to it, correct? Yes. That's how they make their money. And the CGS, I think, is part of the same way, right? Where a lot of the guys that are in their smaller school groups are helping to kind of fund the rest of the event. I don't know I don't know their pay like they're set up for like their financial structure. That's my understanding of it. And I don't know if you
0: I couldn't tell you. I don't know. (laughs) That's
1: my knowledge of CGS is why they invite so many guys. It helps to fund the overall event because if you have the smaller guys in there who do pay to an extent to get in, it helps kind of even it out and make it affordable, which goes back to what I was saying earlier about it's It's hard to run these games, right? Like it's hard Mm -hmm. to have the financials in in the, the setup to overall run these. But CGS, I would say out of the guys on the main roster, the percentages are higher as far as UDFAs, tryouts, that do make it. Uh, as far as compared to the Tropical.
0: Okay, that's good to know. Because um, I've had trouble getting a hold of CGS rosters in the past. I don't know about They're you. Tricky.
1: They, they a couple years ago, I think were a little more consistent with publishing the full roster. But I think last year they had a harder time getting the full roster together. You can still kind of piece it together, but it's, it's a lot more difficult.
0: Yeah, I don't think I ever got the full roster for that. Um, but... They're usually very well attended. I think usually 31, 32 teams out there from the NFL watching. Yeah, they're I'm usually sure. pretty
1: well attended. And that's what you'll find about pretty much all of these games going up from here is that even like the Tropical, even if like, let's be honest, teams that don't send guys to the Tropical, their area scouts probably should be there just because even if it's, you know, potential PFAs, it's guys that are probably going to be worth getting, okay, let me get a look at them type of thing. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's still guys that are on NFL radars
0: yeah and they usually I think if they're not there it's because they're planning on being at a pro day or something or there's whatever it is resources um but no it's it's the CGS has done a really good job I was not a part of it but was part of the it me- was a media partner with them in 2020 2021 so uh that year a bunch of the all-star games were canceled due to covid CGS found a way to get it, get the ball rolling and have it that year and they were able to pull some talent down there uh, because of that because they, the Shrine didn't play that year. The NFLPA didn't play that year. So they were able to kind of fill that void, bring in a lot of the guys and they were 31 NFL teams came down there and they were like, oh, we kind of like the way this event's run. This is pretty cool. So um, they do a really good job making sure that you get your access to the teams. Teams have plenty of time to do interviews uh, so that They've, they've continued to build on that the last couple of years. There's like four rosters also on that event because they've got, they've got you split up into different teams, in a sense. It's like the Wranglers, and I can't remember all the names, but there's a bunch of names. Uh, so they'll have you broken up into teams where you'll scrimmage. Um, used to be scrimmage, at least. Are they still scrimmage, or do they do away with that and go to more of an OTA style?
1: Uh, I thought they still did scrimmages, but I I'm not I'm not 100 sure. Yeah, I think
0: they usually scrimmage. As I'm pretty sure because I know that they went they were trying to make it more OTA style, which is first week of training camp, you know, so or mini camp before training camp. Um, after that, you've got the the Hula Bowls we talked about. So the Hula Bowl, this is one of these events that the NFL really likes. Pretty much every scout that I've ever talked to that's been there. They love the event. They love the way it's run. They like the way that it's set up. Everything's pretty close by. Considering it's Orlando, that's tough to do. Um, but they do a good job with the organization of it. And the scouts really enjoy their time there.
1: Yeah, and it's right there with the tropical too to where it makes it life a lot easier as far as the uh, travel around there.
0: <laughs> the tropical, it was funny when I was there this year. I I didn't have a car. I flew down there. Ubered from the airport, and then learned that it's all not in walking distance, and I was like, "Well, that sucks." And I was like, "Well, uh, I thought I was going to have to Uber around and stuff, but they were getting ready to." I got pulled in by Jerry Hardaway. You know Jerry? I uh, don't believe so. Former scout with the uh, Cardinals was part of was a big part of the putting the Super Bowl team together when they went and played the Steelers. Um, he pulls me in. <laughs> as we're as we're doing measurements for the first like the the scrimmage the showcase and he's like you ever uh measure people before i'm like no <laughs> he goes all right you're on the scale <laughs> he puts me on the scale <laughs> and so mark gorsak's there and steve kazer's there sitting in the front row and every time i come out and announce the weight they'd be like Yep, Vogel, you fucked up. You're wrong. <laughs> Bo Bell is over there, like measuring the people, like and stuff. And 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 they're like, Bo, you're doing such a great job. Everybody's doing a great job, except for Vogel. He fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, I'd be terrified about
1: that. I'd be terrified of measurements. And part of it, I know obviously it's not as bad as you would think, but I would be worried about doing height. I'm a small guy, I'm real short. So if I had yeah. to measure some 6'8 offensive tackle, I'd be terrified.
0: Yeah, no, I wasn't I was I would have needed a step stool if I was doing the measurement. So I'm right down there with you, bud. So uh but no, that was a, that was fun. But so once we got done with that, it was like I just rode around with the team everywhere on the buses when they were driving them, you know, to the different fields and stuff, because they use a bunch of different fields over the week. You're not gonna be at the same practice facility twice if you go there. Um but yes, but the hula bowl is it's a it's a lot good or it it's organized pretty well. The scouts really like it. If you can get into that event, that's a really good one to go to now, especially with the NFL PA Bowl shutdown, as we've talked about. Um, then after that, you got the Shrine. We spend a lot of time on them. And the seniors, definitely, the, it's by far the number one game. It's not. It's really not close.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. And and I know the Shrine is – there. they put together a great roster, and they do a great job. But I think the gap is still pretty notable between them. Um, and even the gap between the Shrine and the Hula is pretty notable – I think it's going to close a lot with the NFLPA kind of losing their guys and those guys being pushed down to the hula. I think hula is going to get a lot of draftable guys. Um, And they've done done a really good job as far as just who they're inviting. They go very FBS heavy, try to invite a lot of guys that are just going to be uh, in the way of area scouts that one might fall in love type of deal. But if you just look at the pure drafted and UDFA numbers, Senior Bowl blows everyone out. It's not particularly close.
0: No. And they – I mean, they've been doing it for so long. I mean, obviously the Shrine is – they're the number. They, in terms of history, they're the number one game, right? Because they started back in the twenties, kind of fell out of prominence. Uh, they've moved around a lot. They've been in a lot of different cities. In fact, they moved again this year from Las Vegas to Frisco, Texas. They're going to be down there at the Cowboys' facilities doing uh, the event this year. And from, I mean, they had moved from uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, before they went to Vegas. I mean, they've, there's been. I want to say eight or nine different locations, but the senior bowl has stayed in mobile. It's been a huge part of that city. The city, you know, when Jim Nagy took over as a director, what 2017, 2018, the city really bought into backing that event bought into what Jim was, was wanting to do with it. And they've just, they've, the gap was already there, but it's expanded. It really has. They've been able to, to continue to bring in the best talent and put on the best game. So, I think that's the tears, but we were also talking uh Mark about the the invites that we've seen here so far. In fact, you sent me the list of guys that you've already looked at. I think because um, so 'cause we've had a bunch of accepted we probably had a few accepted while we've been sitting here talking with the yeah. way that they've been rolling they've in. been rolling off tonight, man. I kept seeing like senior bowl pop on my phone, I'm like, oh great, this and that blah blah, blah. um. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna have to catch up as soon as we get off of here. But talking about uh, some of these guys that you've looked at, is there a particular player that you've seen so far that just makes sense that that stood out to you out out of everybody that's been that's accepted the invite so far?
1: Um, that's an odd way to put it because all of them stand out to me if I've watched them. I mean, <laughs> um, as far as like guys that i mean we could go we could go guys that we haven't you know seen as much hype about we could go guys that are more well known however you want to take this i mean guys that are just particularly interesting i'm open to whichever way you want to go
0: okay let's go with uh, a guy that a guy a guy that maybe not as well known but but people are going to know about him at the end of the process
1: gotcha um I'm not gonna lie, I was expecting I thought you were gonna have a name in mind, so I was expecting you to roll off a name. Um man, guys that aren't as well known right now. If I had to pick from that, honestly, I'm gonna go with Dominic Pooney. I could be mispronouncing his last name. Okay guard from uh Kansas. He played offensive tackle for them this year and looked really really good doing it. Um let me pull up my notes real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Yet? Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I I I published uh, my report on him yesterday.
1: Okay. Well, look, uh, at least want, my my, my
0: preliminary report. I I do a preliminary and then I I let the process play out, you know, so.
1: Gotcha. Well, what what, what did you think of him?
0: So, if I'm being honest, I thought he was a you a high priority free agent. <laughs> <laughs> so, um I, I think that obviously the versatility is really good there because he's played tackle. He's played guard. He was a, a four-year starter, I think, or three-year starter because the season was canceled. Central Missouri before he went to Kansas, had no offers coming out. Um six four, three twenty. I think he plays really high. You know, and you see him in his stance. That's the first thing that kind of pops at you a little bit. when you, and Oh, invite Jaheen Bell just accepted the senior bowl, by the way. That just came through. See? I mean, they're pouring through right now. It's crazy. Modern day pullback. Yep. So, uh, but with Puni, it's like when you watch him in his stance, he's higher than everybody else by a foot. And it's not because he's a tall guy. He just doesn't bend at his knees as well. Um, I thought he was a capable athlete. He can get out and, and pull pretty well for the most part. I thought his anchor wasn't particularly impressive. So I worry about him in space. I thought he had, he didn't handle inside counters well, um, despite having good lateral quickness, but that's him playing tackle. So when you put him at guard, he might be okay. He's got the versatility where you can put him at tackle. If you need to in a pinch, I was just thinking with a class that we have a guard right now, it's really hard to see him getting drafted over 10 or 12 guys. but that was my take.
1: So, here's what's tricky for me, right? Is I, I I watched him, and this was before he got the uh, senior ball invite. I was expecting more of the Shrine territory. I didn't think he'd get the senior ball invite over some of these other guards because, like you said, it is yeah. a pretty deep guard class. Um, so, playing left tackle this year, I thought he's going to kick inside the guard or center. Um, the way he's built 604 3, verified 317. I think the arm length is going to be somewhere in the low 32s. Um, if he comes in with 33s, 34s, I think some teams might be more willing to open their eyes as, hey, maybe he's a tackle. I hope he plays both at the senior bowl just so we can see. Um, but I think certainly the body type and the play style, more fitting of a guard or center. Um, just going through the notes here. Um, like you mentioned, it's he plays weirdly high for a guy that is oh four three, And so I thought when he really was able to play into his flexibility, his lower body and, and get down and stay down, he looked pretty good doing, it. I think he's got decent flexibility in his lower body, but for some reason he just could not maintain his leverage. He'd pop up out of his stance. Uh, he would, you know, just kind of be reckless with the way he moved his body. And I thought that was going to kind of push him down a little bit.
0: Just yeah. going through my notes here. I also thought his hand placement, sometimes it's good, but it's not consistent. You know, sometimes yeah. it looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. So, so there's room to grow with that too, but that's what, that's exactly what it is. is it's room to grow, you know? Yeah. So my senior bowl uh, pre senior bowl projection would be, he's going to be, he's a spot starter, you know, yeah. he's a spot starter in the league and he's going to be able to stick around for six, seven years as these offensive linemen typically do, because you need depth. You need guys that can float around to different positions and he can do that.
1: Yeah. So I thought good burst, um, good lateral agility uh, at mm-hmm. times, yeah, I had the
0: um, – yep, lateral, yep.
1: Yep. The left tackle experience, I think that is going to help him. I think the versatility, I think that's part of what's getting him into this game uh, is the aspect of he, he does have that experience there. And uh, Cooper BB is another one that is going to be uh, in that same boat, even though he is going to be a, a guard at the next level. Um, I thought he brought some nastiness to his game. I thought he had some physicality. Um, the, uh, he's, he's sticky in pass protection in a weird way because you, you would expect a guy who's kind of shorter-armed – um, and not necessarily always using his hands properly to kind of have troubles out at tackle, um, even playing at, you know, P5 level. And he just had a way to stick on blocks. Um, I thought nimbleness in his movement was really impressive. And this is a, this is a weird note I had, but I thought almost he kind of made me think if he really, really struggled on the offensive line to kind of find his footing with the team, try defensive tackle because of the lateral agility, uh, because of the disruptiveness and the approach. Okay, All of the things that... Make him impressive, I think, as a as a as a tackle or guard prospect of the physicality, the movement skills. Even if you were to toss out the technique, and you're worried about that, you can still find ways to apply that athleticism.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a good point too. I I hadn't thought about defensive tackle, but you know, his cousin's AJ Avanesa, so Interesting. he yeah, he might like yeah, bloodlines are there. His brother Derek was a UDFA to Dallas in 2019. Derek pooney So, um yeah, I think that I was interested. I was, I was, I, I hadn't really looked at him until he was invited, and then I went back and I looked at him. And I was like, "Well, there's, he's interesting. He's interesting."
1: And this is what I had from October third, and this is before I got the Senior Bowl invite. I, I mm-hmm. tend to when I see a guy get the Senior Bowl invite, if I have him low into that like PFA late rounder. I'm usually assuming they're going to go a little bit higher because if they're getting a senior bowl invite, they're probably a top five round guy. Mm -hmm. But I had the range on him roughly. I thought it was about fifth round to high priority for agent. I'd say that's probably closer to like early four to high PFA now. I think there's probably a little bit more on the higher end since he did get the senior bowl invite. But I still think he's, if you were to stack all the guards, I think he'd be on the lower end. I just really worry about the technique where it's at right now. Um, I think, like you said, he playing at left tackle. Hey, we got to see him move inside the guard. See how he looks with you know another year of technical development and playing at a natural position.
0: Which he, you know, he played a guard in 22 and started 13 games. But it's like now, you know, that was coming. That was making an adjustment year out of Division two. Also took a year yep. off pretty much because he had a red shirt in 21 at in Central Missouri. So like that's it was it was difficult to gauge his 22 tape and then and then look at 23 and now he's playing tackle and you're like okay well now i don't know what to do because he's not he's not a tackle i don't think not not a not a guy that you want to put in outside of a pinch
1: well and this guy hasn't gotten his invite yet but i would i would think he's going to i feel pretty confident joshua Gray from oregon state i don't know if you've seen him i think gray's a lot more yes but i think they have a lot of the same issues with their projection of hey this guy played tackle but he's probably going to be a guard you have a really hard time using that tackle tape because if you were to say, hey, project him as a guard, you go, he's got awesome lateral agility. He's got awesome movement. But if you put him out of tackle, you're like, "Eh," sometimes the length and sometimes the the really, really high-end defensive ends that can really get after it are going to kind of push him athletically. But if you kick him inside the guard, it's like, okay, all those problems are gone. He's looking great in there. So I I imagine he's one of those guys that's going to really benefit from being able to go play inside, show how he looks, up-to-date type of tape on him. Uh, against high-level competition
0: gray's the guy i looked at in the offseason uh coming into the year and and i really liked but yeah that's a that's a good point and he is a much better projection at guard than anything else he's he's got three years as a starter now four four if you count this year um i'm glad you brought him up i think for sure he's going to get an invite he'll it'll be a senior he'll get them both this
1: oregon state tackles are pretty much locked in yeah yeah he'll
0: get them both both invites to both games and have to pick one um i'm gonna tell you a guy that stood out to me and i know that you haven't looked at him yet so i'm going to tell you about him uh and totally blur your perspective and and put create this bias in you Uh, i can Um, break
1: through the bias i'll tell you how once you once you explain this guy to me
0: so dylan lobby at new hampshire um one of the things that i've started to notice And I'd heard about, I'd heard stuff talking people before the uh, the season started, was that there's going to be this new position in the NFL, quote unquote, new because everything has been used before at some point, pretty much. But uh, running receivers, guys that you can put in the slot, that you can put out wide, that you can put in the backfield, and you have them do all kinds of different things. Just use them as a mismatch weapon. And they said, everybody in the league is going to be doing it. Just you watch. And I didn't exactly buy it until I was sitting there watching the NFL week one. And I'm watching all these running receivers across the league. Every team rolled one out just randomly. Like a few teams did it in 22, but like 23 this year, everybody, you can look, give me a roster. Give me a team. I'll tell you who's on that roster playing the running receiver. It's just become a, a overnight, a position everybody has to have. And so... Some of those guys, they're still trying to fit in in different places. Uh, New Orleans has found a really good one in Shaheem, Raheed Shaheem. Uh, Dallas is trying to kind of f- still find theirs, mixing Cavante Tarpin with, you know, uh, McDowell, Gigi McDowell, the guy on the run- backfield. Maybe, no, that's not it. Gigi came out this year. Um, McDowell, Rico McDowell. And different, you know, different teams are trying different things. So when you got a guy like Dylan Lobby, he's the epitome of this running receiver. Uh, came into the year, considers a high priority free agent. Uh, when I put on the tape, the thing that popped out at me is the short burst, short burst galore. Doesn't have a lot of long speed, but his short burst is ridiculous. He got on the like the my radar because he had a game that both the games were talking about him, the senior in the Shrine. He had 30 yards rushing in the game, but like 290 receiving. And they were these big, long plays down the field where he was able to create enough separation with his short burst and pull away because people couldn't catch up to him after it. You know, you see the speed fall off at the end and people start to catch him. But at that point, he's already gone. Now, he's also playing New Hampshire. So he's an FCS prospect. So that the competition uh, is a little bit of a play, but change of direction is pretty good he's a one cut guy will get up field gets north south really well pretty good uh, contact balance obviously the receiving is there very solid route runner and he, he's good enough he's got enough power to be a effective pass protector so you got a guy that can play all three downs that you can use as a mismatch weapon move him around the, the field in a lot of different ways and uh, he just while we were on the show uh, right before we came on the show accepted a senior bowl invite.
1: So what round are you thinking on him? And what role? Like, is he a starter? Is he a backup rotation? Rain-
0: so so he'll be a rotation, right? Nobody's going to roll him out as their running back one, but they're going to use him in that 25-30 sp- snap range. Um, so he's going to be a rotation. But I think that his range is fifth round, mid-fifth, to high-priority free agent. Now, I love that you brought up the range thing because that's always a good thing to bring up. I think that... Most likely he's a sixth, late sixth, early seventh, but that range extends out to might go as high as fifth.
1: Do you know if he has punt return experience? The way you're describing him, he sounds like a punt return guy to me.
0: Uh, that's a great question. I think he returned kicks and punts. Yes. Okay.
1: And I ask because if he's going out and running, let's say, four fives, he's probably not going to be viewed as a kick guy. Uh, most kick returners are probably in that you know four, 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 three range. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I know what, what's the measurements on him, 5'10", three 208 you got so, Gotcha.
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: I was going to say my guess would be just based on the way you described him, and it depends on what he runs, how he tests overall. Depends on how he looks at the senior ball. I mean, there's a lot of variables that go into this going forward. Um, the way you described him to me, I, w- I would be thinking ceiling, like absolute ceiling would be like up into the third range, and then floor would be assuming he doesn't bomb testing more of that six, seven. And then if you really struggles in testing, you're talking PFA. If you, if you got there and you're an FCS back and you run four sixes, that's kind of like a, you know, yeah. Um, but as long as he runs reasonably well and, and the way you described to me, he sounds like a, a decent mid round guy. And part of that, that's why I asked about the punt return value too, because the more those types of guys can add, the more they're going to be in the mix for, Hey, there's a scout one to kind of pound the table in that fourth, fifth round range. Hey, even if he ends up not being what we expect as far as as a as you know kick him out use him as a receiver or just part of the rotation as a runner he still has value on special teams because he can return punts and like right. you mentioned short burst agility that sort of stuff that stuff plays so well in that role
0: yeah no that's fair i my comp for him based on his size and the skill set was chase edmonds now i understand they're they're pretty similar in the way that they're built, the way that they play, um, but I think that if Chase Edmonds comes out in this in this draft, you know, if he's a rookie this year, we're ta- we're talking about him being a much better running back than we were when he was a fifth round pick, because um, he just fits the modern NFL better. When he was drafted, people were just starting to get into rotations and figure out how they wanted to do that with the running back position and project going forward. But now you got a guy that can catch on the backfield he can run routes as a, as a slot receiver and outside um, not just effective in the short to intermediate range, but you can put him deep if you want to. He's got the ability to separate there. I think it's going to be really hard to keep him up. it's going to be really hard to keep him off the field when you get him. And so there's two
1: kind of competing things that are coming up in my mind when you're telling me about this guy right So like first off it would be the running back class. Is weird, right? Like, it's there's no true standout guys at the top, and we've seen the devaluation of the position overall to where used to you'd have guys pretty consistently round one, round two, yeah. and now it seems more like a lot of these backs are drifting into the round three, round four. So, you're talking about starting caliber guys that are getting in round three, round four. So, I wonder if the senior bowl is inviting him, they're getting good feedback as one of the top backs. Is that are they getting round four? Are they getting round three territory? Or is it just the overall lack of backs? They're to, they're kind of pushing down into that round five, round yeah. seven. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's also this point. element of whenever I see a guy for the senior bowl, either who is a Mobile native um, or a FCS guy, I, I always ask the question, is this a guy that is being invited either from like a media side standpoint with Mobile or for FCS standpoint, a guy that not necessarily going to have big grades right now, but where – the jump up in level of competition is so important for him that he kind of has to get it, because I I could be wrong on this, but I think if the the toss up is between a you know a round five running back from a P five who we have you know three years of starting tape from him versus a round six FCS back who we don't have that much on who we're trying to figure out who we want to see against this higher level of competition, how do we balance that? And I think Jim certainly is factoring that in when he does invite these FCS guys. Is okay, this guy. I got to give him this opportunity like Tyson, uh, Baggin, um, or badging. I always mess up the names. Um, but,
0: yeah, Bajin. Yep.
1: but, but he got invited. Right. And there were a couple guys that were kind of in that mix for his spot at the senior bowl. Ultimately he goes UDFA, but he got the invite over a couple other guys just because it was, Hey, we need to see him against this higher level of competition. We've seen all these other guys all these years over tape. We haven't seen the D two guy against this level of competition. So break him in. So that's kind of what, what's my question with, with, um, with Dylan is okay. Is it because they really have that higher grade on him, or is it because more of the situation where he needs the exposures?
0: Yeah, no, I think it's more of an exposure. If I had to guess, you know, obviously I don't have any inside knowledge on that or anything, but it's just for me, it's more of a when I I want to see him against the higher competition. When I publish my preliminary report, I have a breakdown at the very end when I break down where I think he's going to fit schematically, and then I go into what I want to see in Mobile that's what's going to be there hows he play up to the competition does he still have that does that short burst still stand out does that acceleration does his how where's his long speed actually you know that's stuff i can start to figure out before i go to the combine with him and i go see him run his 40 because playing up to this level you're going to, you're going to see that you're going to see tajay spears is a perfect example of a running back where You wanted to see certain things, and that's why he got into that game last year. He goes third round, and it was because you see him on tape making really great, great contested catches through contact. You see him playing pass protection and putting people on their ass. So that's what I wanted to go down there and see him in Mobile. Does he still do all that? Is he still this elusive, crazy cut, you know, runner? And he was. He put that on tape. I was sitting there. I think I've said this on the show before, but I was sitting there. Bo Marchinetti. uh, Marchinetti. You know him. Yeah. So I'm sitting there with Bo and we're watching, you know, past pro reps and stuff. And I see Tajay coming up and Aubrey Miller, that 240-pound linebacker out of Jackson State lining up next to him. And I'm like, oh, Bo, Bo, you got to watch this. Watch this. And Aubrey comes in there and Tajay, bam, knocks him on his ass. Just straight up. And Bo loses it. He's like, what? What are you weighing in at? Blah, blah, blah. It's like 203. I said, dude, go back. Just watch the tape. It's on tape. I knew I knew I'd seen it on tape. I knew he could do it, and he did it. And so that was just another one of those confirmations where it's like this is a powerful downhill linebacker coming at him. Granted, FCS Jackson State, but we knew that he had power. If there was one thing that he had, and Tajay put him down, like perfect. That's exactly what I wanted to see. So with Dylan, it's more of a projection. I want to see him against this level of competition, so I can continue that projection. That's why I said. You know, fifth to UDFA. I'm thinking sixth, seventh.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of what the way you described him. And I, and it obviously, like I said, there's room for maneuverability here, depending on how much how well he tests and that sort of stuff. Um, but right now, based on what you described, him, I would think in that later round mix. And then, hey, he goes to Mobile. Does he look as fast as he should? Is he? He's probably going to get work on it as a as a punt returner. I would imagine just based on the way you described him. Mm-hmm. Does he look good in that role? How you know? How does he take to the coaching? Uh, how does he interview? That sort of stuff, and then if he goes out there, and let's say he's probably gonna be a combine invite. Most senior bowl guys are, and he goes out there and he runs four, four, two. Okay, now what? You know, is he just gonna suddenly pop up in this third, fourth round category where someone falls in love with the the ways you can use him, and a coach is like, he's so versatile. I need him. He's he's my weapon. You know, um, and then obviously it goes to okay, <laughs> how many teams are gonna view it that way, and do we get lucky where one really, really falls in love?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no I, I I'm seeing six seventh on him the other guy I think we should talk about it's another small school guy that got an invite and that's uh, a hunt and he's on your list I've watched him so I I obliged you I said first what I thought about pooney what did what did you see when you saw Jalex hunt oh, can
1: I reject it and send it back to you I feel like I do better when I'm going back otherwise I'm just sitting here reading my notes on a guy if you give me yours I can kind of pot you read out. the
0: notes read the notes let's go okay,
1: let me I'll, I'll pull up my notes on hunt real quick then
0: I already got mine up.
1: <laughs> it'll take me a second. So if you want, oh, I mean, okay. if you want to, I can. It'll take me two seconds to get mine up.
0: No, look, so I'll set. I'll set you up. Six zero two six is what I got him at. Two forty. That might be. Those might be summer measurements. I don't know.
1: I see. Here's here's how I did mine, and this is I'm doing this for the Lenny's magazine. So I kind of I try to recalibrate for what I'm expecting. So I was actually just looking at the six zero two six that you mentioned. I think I saw Jim mention he's verified six oh four oh. I know Hitterman because I know you're getting yours from Draft Scout, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Hitterman's updated some of the heights and some of the weights, but
0: six oh four oh verified.
1: I believe it's six oh four verified. I would have to know. I could. I was looking before we got on here, and I couldn't find the article where Jim mentioned it. I couldn't find the tweet, but I'm pretty sure he's six oh four verified. Because I think if he was sub six three, it'd be kind of is he really that much of a big developmental defensive end?
0: Right. I believe
1: the measurement in the spring was 248 verified. I could be wrong on that, but I think that's what it was. Uh, if not, it was the roster measurement. And I know the expectation, I think, from Jim is that he's going to come in, maybe not at the Senior Bowl, a lot bigger, but he's going to, by combine time, be in the 260s. And so that, I think, is part of the, a big part of the projection, right? Is you're taking a guy who's got this, he's really long. I don't know what the official measurement will be for his arm length. I'd guess it's in the 34s. Uh, he's got really long arms, and he's got a really nice frame to him. He's kind of like um, he, he plays differently, I think. But you remember Isaiah Land from Florida A and Yes. Where he was a, he was an HBCU guy and he was really undersized. And the question was, hey, if he comes up here and he goes from two thirty to two fifty 250 or two fifty five and runs really well and does all these things, is he going to ascend? Now he ultimately did. Isaiah Land ended up as a as a UDFA, if I recall correctly. And I think yeah. Hunt kind of has the same uh, volatility to his his uh, draft stock. You know, if he comes in and he's at the Senior Bowl and he's two forty five. And he's not moved around very well. And his pass rush is, is kind of underwhelming. He kind of gets Andre Carter a little bit uh, throughout the, the practices, yeah. what happens to him. And then he goes and tests probably what happens. You know, he's, we're talking more high priority free agent. But if he comes in and he's 265 and he runs in the four fives or something, then it's going to be a completely different conversation. So If you want, I can go through my notes i what going to have on him or you could do it. But that's that's kind of where my starting point was on, hey, here he's, he's 6'4". I'm going to call it 255. He's probably going to get up to 260s. By the time combine hits and we can go from there if you want
0: no okay so i i actually had seventh high priority free agent on him so right there in that range where it's like because the first thing that i popped that i saw i popped on first off finding houston christian tape that's tough too um i think i pulled up a 22 game first year there he's a transfer from cornell um He's only been a Houston Christian for two years. So that was interesting to see. It was like you went from Ivy League to Houston Christian. Okay. That's interesting. So when I saw him, I think it was his very first game at Houston Christian, I was sitting there going, This is a senior bowl invite? <laughs> like, really? Like this is I would I would have rejected him if I hadn't continued watching." watch it. I ended up pulling up Western Kentucky this year. And I think there was another game that I was able to find uh, where they played a conference opponent this year. Completely different player. Completely different. It's like he was starting to understand what he was doing better. He was seeing his role better. Very fluid athlete. I mean, really great lateral quickness. Really just fluid is the best way I know how to describe it. And as I continued watching, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I've got him. I had him penciled in as an edge rusher. I'm like, well, he's more of a rush edge. He's a stand-up guy because that's what they're asking him to do is stand up. And he's dropping into coverage a lot. Had a pick six. I think I posted that video today. Um, had a pick six in this game where he just jumped the route and took it back. Nobody was there to stop him. And I'm like, okay, so I know he can play this pass coverage. I know he can do all that, but I'm not seeing a lot as a pass rusher. You know, so now the question kind of you start to get into. I was also thinking he was six zero two six, which I was like, he looks a little bit taller on tape, but that might be a that might be more of a you know, relative to the the opponent that they're playing. Um, is he is he a pass rusher or is he a linebacker? Yeah, that's he's in kind of in that tweener category where he might be too tall to play linebacker and not big enough to play rush edge you know and be a, a pass rusher i wasn't able to get a. I didn't see a lot of hand usage from him i didn't see a lot of you know finesse or any way to really work past things if he's going to disrupt the passer he's coming off of, as a free rusher but he's a okay he's, he can play pass coverage so it's like that's what i want to see in mobile when i did my report on him today and i published that on draft lounge that was my big thing was is that's what I need to see. Is he a pass rusher or is he a linebacker? And that's what I think I'm going to get a really good idea of at the senior bowl.
1: Yeah. And here's just to add some, some background to it too. He's a former safety. So he played safety at yep. Cornell in 21, and then he switched over to moving up and playing as, as a defensive end slash outside linebacker. So from my notes, I thought the range effort experience, all those things really play well until he's going to get some special teams opportunities. Mm-hmm. I think his length looked really impressive. Now here's, what's tricky about length when you're trying to judge, Right. Is if he's six foot four and he's got these long, you know, vine like arms, and you go, okay, that's probably going to be in that 34 range. Well, if it turns out he's really 6026. Okay, we're probably talking more 33s. You know, he's probably going to be definitely in 33s. I don't think he's going to get down to 32s. But the more you kind of size him down, the less and less that defensive end potential kind of sticks out. So you start going, okay, teams that really want a defensive end might really be skittish about him. we Kind of projecting, we're narrowing down the projection to a lot of teams that are want to use him as a stand up rusher or even as an mm-hmm. off ball guy, right? And Which so there is a
0: role for stand up rushers right now because of what the Eagles have done with Hassan Reddick. You see a yeah. lot of teams trying to fit that fifth man in their four man front where he's a stand up and he can drop into coverage and that stuff. So that's kind of one, another thing that I'm almost trying to pigeonhole him into is like, is this, does he fit that?
1: Yeah. And so just going through my notes here, I thought the length, just from what I saw, it looked impressive. Again, I want to get verified. I want to see if that's actually true. I thought the frame had a lot of room to grow. But again, it goes back to how how big is he? How much can you really hold? Because the yeah. difference between being 245 and being 265 is a big deal for these teams, especially as you get through the process. You go to the XOs and places like that, you get trained up, and you have all that time and effort in the training process to get built up and, and weigh a certain thing. If you can't get your weight up and actually you know, improve those areas, teams are going to be worried about it. They're going to wonder, can we get this guy up? So going through, I'm, I'm seeing he was a physical hitter. I like the physicality and the effort. Uh, I thought the ability to drop into coverage, or even they lined him up over the slot receivers. I thought it was interesting. I don't think he's necessarily that type of athlete for the next level. Um, but I think having the experience doing it is going to help. And I thought the coverage instincts were pretty impressive. But going into the negatives, I saw a guy who had an extremely high cap frame, really long legs. And I think it hurts his leverage. I thought he played very, very high. And if he's yes. going to be 6'3 only or maybe just to cut under 6'3, if you're playing that high, it's going to really hurt you, especially with he doesn't use his hands very well. He's still a guy who he needs a lot of seasoning, a lot of time to really kind of uh, clean up his game. And so if you're playing too tall and you're not necessarily the most explosive, the most bendy guy, you're going to have a hard time. And that's where I'm kind of hung up on him is like my speed projection, I put 4'7". And so if you are if you were to go, let's go really positive scenario here, right? He comes into okay. in the scenario. He's six foot four. He's two hundred sixty-five pounds, and he's running like. By the time he gets to the combine, he, he's running four fives. He does great during the Senior Bowl, you know. Great hands, really showing a lot of improvement in that regard, and holding his own against this level of competition. Well, then you're kind of talking maybe that all the hype on him that could be Hayes. Maybe you know, I, I saw Brugler said maybe he's top four rounds. Okay, maybe you get into that territory at that point. But if I cut that line down and I say okay, he's under six three, he's two forty-eight. Or two forty five, somewhere in that ballpark. He's in the two forties. He goes out there and runs pretty poorly. Let's say mid four sevens or mid four eights, somewhere in that ballpark where it's like, eh, that's really scary for defensive end. You might be able to tolerate it, but down into outside linebacker territory, like you get into four sevens and four eights an outside linebacker, that's kind of pushing it. You're, you know, you're going to worry a lot of teams with that number. And then let's say he struggles during the Senior Bowl. Is there a world where he's not a PFA at that point? This this no. goes. Back to what <laughs> time i was on john right like if if i give you the the oklahoma defensive tackle who's six foot whatever and 200 whatever and the way these teams view this any one team you're going to have scouts who will fight for him or fight against him regardless but in aggregate if you give me the six six foot three 245 guy who doesn't run very well out of an fcs and he doesn't have good hands and he struggles throughout the process there are a lot of teams that are going to be very very scared about taking this guy now on the other hand, if you have him really blow it up and he really you know jumps up, then he's probably going to be safely drafted. But at this point, we don't really know. You know, my guess would be he's probably more in the. I, I initially I put seventh to high priority for I was right there with you. Um, I think based on getting the senior boy invite, I think the expectations for his weight for his athleticism are higher than what I saw on tape. So I'm assuming the fact he's getting a senior boy invite, he's closer to that four through six range right now, more of a mid rounds type of guy, but so I kicked him up a little bit, but I'm still thinking, hey, he's probably a midday three guy, assuming middle of, middle of the road path for how his uh, all-star season, how his, um, his combine and all that goes. Sorry to overwhelm you.
0: Yeah, no, and the, the big thing no, – no, 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 no. It's fine. It's perfect. So the big thing with it too is with, with Hunt is I like to have a, a preliminary grade coming into the process on a guide like so preliminary being before all these other data points come in this is where i've got them this is like my tape grade that's why i use the term preliminary yeah um at when i get down to march april you know past the combine and we got all these numbers now i'm going to come back to that grade and not saying that i'm trying to anchor my grade off of my preliminary but it's more of an adjustment where i say okay based on what we've seen, I'm going to go ahead and put them here, you know, with the projection. And that's something that, you know, developed, I developed over the last couple of years of the, my process being, I want this preliminary grade. I want to have these things listed to what I'm looking for so that when I come back, when the numbers are all done, I've got more notes, more information. I just look at my notes and I go, that's what I wanted to see. Okay. Here, how'd do he do make my adjustment. You know, and I'm sure that there's, there's a lot of times where I'll have a guy come up where something else popped at me, where it's like, okay, well, now I need to take this into consideration as well. I didn't see this before, you know. So it's just like what you we were talking about when you came out a month ago is collecting all this information, gathering all this data, and pushing out the most realistic projection that you possibly can based on what we have uh, on the information. But I'm excited to see him. I'm excited. That I specifically wanted to get into the. The three guys, and I'm glad that we talked about the school, the small school guys, because those those are the people that a lot of people haven't watched yet. Those are the prospects mm-hmm. that there's not a lot that's known about. And so just being able to get information out and start talking about them through the process. Lobby's a guy I think that could rise. You brought up the best case scenario for Hunt. If that all hits, he's a guy that's going to rise. But another thing I've noticed with initial senior bowl invites is a lot of times they bring in these guys – that fit these tweeners and they don't pan out and land was one of them last year. Steve Weatherford is a guy that comes to mind a couple of years ago from Miami, Ohio was one of the first guys invited. He didn't pan out. He's a, was a, uh, high priority free agent. So the tweener type, it's really interesting to see where the senior bowl invites these guys initially and then brings them in. Um, because there's usually one or two that are in that tweener type linebacker, safety, edge rusher. Don't know where he's going to fit. That are just that don't pan out. So I wonder if Hunt is that guy. If there's going to be another guy that pops in.
1: Yeah, I would I would mention two here. Um, two things. So first off, as far as the tape goes, I do my I do a tape grade too as well for what it's worth. So like I will do round projections. It's the wider range. It's more trying to project where a guy's actually going to go. But for mm-hmm. personally, what I saw on Hunt on tape, I put a grade of practice squad guy, like maybe a lower impact squad guy to an average backup. And that's kind of the range I think he's going to fall into. I don't think he has those developmental tools physically to where he's really going to enter into a starter caliber level once he gets to the NFL. So I, I just want to add that to the the range obviously is a different thing. It's so dependent on, you know, where the guy goes is different from, okay, what it teams like about his tape and what's he actually project to as far as when he gets to the NFL. No, that's fair. Um,
0: I, I, I had raw prospect on there too. It was like, yeah, that's why well, I have a with high – He's a developmental
1: guy all the way, and you, that's exactly where you're – Okay, cool. Let's see what he can do, but don't you know have high, high hopes of what he ends up being.
0: Yeah. Um, and
1: then also, like you mentioned, a lot of times the Super Bowl invites these guys. and It's, it's weird because you'll see guys that – They're really good football players on tape, right? And then you get through the process, and they kind of dip a little bit, or there's kind of mixed opinions out there. Carl Brooks from Bowling Green was an example of that, where he didn't even get a combine invite. And he was kind of a tweener prospect where – Okay, is he a defensive tackle? Is he a defensive end? What are we going to do with them? And he ends up going, there was hype of him up to maybe like second, third round. He ends up going, what, fifth round? Yeah. So, and it's it's tough because from the senior bowl perspective, you have to balance. Let's give these guys opportunities like Jaylex Hunt to rise and push themselves up. But we also have to make sure we're inviting guys that are probably going to be drafted. And we have to make sure we're not inviting a bunch of fifth, sixth, seventh guys because if we invite all fifths, fifth, sixth, seventh, and even high priority for agents, well, we're our games losing quality, right there. You know, we got to have good competition for them to go up against.
0: Absolutely. Well, I, Jarvis, I think that's about all we got the time for today. Um, appreciate you filling in. Granted, you didn't know you were filling in when you when I initially invited you, but appreciate it nonetheless. We'll um,
1: have to bring it back on. I have a lot of stuff to talk next to you week. Next
0: week, let's because I got to see about. Thanksgiving, you know, so the Sick Podcast Network is based out of Canada. And so I don't think... Actually, Shane, get in here for a second. You're Canadian. Um, Shane, if if you're in Canada, do you actually, like, celebrate Thanksgiving? Or is that an American holiday? So our Thanksgiving is, is in October. Oh, so you already had it. Yes, sir. Ah, uh, okay. I knew there was... It was a little bit different. I was like, let me get the Canadian here so I don't mess this up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, now. hey. Hey, Montreal, huh? What about that? Let's go Owls, baby. I know he's a, he's a Montreal fan. They're go going Owls. Going to the Great Cup. Pulled off an upset over um, what the Argonauts, Toronto. Yeah. yeah. With, with the best quarterback in the CFL, Chad yeah, Kelly. Best quarterback, my ass. <laughs> six, 6 on the first play. Come on. <laughs> yeah i saw that that was awesome but yeah thank you shane appreciate you my pleasure so thanksgiving's next week i don't know what you're doing for thanksgiving i'm not a big thanksgiving person because that's football that's just how i am i'm a terrible family member let's just be honest about that i never show I, i'm like every time they're like hey i need you to come to this wedding or i need you to come to see this play that i'm in or blah 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 it's like you got to be doing this stuff like when it's not football season, because I, I I can't. I'm I'm gonna be somewhere. So, um, but yeah. So if you're not a big Thanksgiving person, yeah, let's 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 just plan on having you back next week so you can bust Justin's ass for Jaden Daniels.
1: Sounds good for me. No, for for people who are listening, the uh thing is that I just bet uh Justin one dollar to win a hundred that Jaden Daniels is the first quarterback off the board. Now, do I think it's gonna hit? Probably not. It's, it's far below 50%, 30% and maybe I'll, I'll give you a more accurate number on specifically where I'm thinking, but uh, we have a lot of stuff to cover as far as he said, 0% chance and I'm going to break him over the coals for that one.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Uh, you can follow Mark at Jarvis scouting. You can follow me. At Draft Vogel, you can follow the usual co-host Justin Gamble, at Gamscout. Follow the show at Sick Pod NFL Draft. Follow producer Shane at Producer Shane. And for everybody here at the Sick Podcast, let's uh, say good night. Wrap this thing up. Let's go. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time.
1: Follow the Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook.